This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Two years of torment. The war is not over. We wanted everyone to know and remember that we are still struggling. The call for solidarity on the second anniversary of the war in Ukraine. A close call on Granville Island. The results could be catastrophic if there was somebody down here when something landed. Safety concerns rise as debris falls. A snow rush in Barkerville. All of our people got to work, started laying down snow, getting the course ready. The historic town giving the BC Games a gift as good as gold. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Protesters in Vancouver and across the continent are marking two years of all-out war in Ukraine. As Julia Foy reports, their message to Canadians is that the struggle continues. This Ukrainian family came to Canada just after Russia invaded two years ago. It was lovely home for us and we never planned to immigrate. It soon became clear they needed to leave. No, it's not our like like something in future. But we were need to to save kids' life. Saturday afternoon, several hundred people held a rally outside the Vancouver Art Gallery to remember those caught in the conflict. It's important for us to make sure that our fellow Canadians don't forget that this is happening, that it's very real, that people are fighting and dying, um, families are being bombed in their homes. The city of Vancouver proclaimed this week as Vancouver stands with Ukraine week. It might be a refrain that, that you yourself have heard, if Russia stops fighting, the war ends. If Ukraine stops fighting, Ukraine ends. This is an existential fight for you know, Ukrainians and Ukraine. Organizers say the grim anniversary goes back farther than two years. Russia has deported 20,000 unaccompanied minors from occupied territory into Russia. Many are being put up for adoption. Um, only 388 have been recovered. Um, it's a war crime. As for the Karachinin family, they send letters back home to Grandma. We tell her what is Canada and how are we doing in school. And they show their love for Ukraine in a simple bouquet of sunflowers. And because it's like a Ukrainian flower. Julia Foy, Global News. The Prime Minister is in Kyiv pledging new funding to fortify Ukraine's military and its ailing economy. A new $3 billion security package billed as much-needed financial and military support for the war-torn country. Crystal Gamansing reports. Journalists weren't allowed in the room for what was billed as a historic signing, but the key players who have been in regular contact for the past two years were all smiles for their official government photographers. On the second anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion, Canada became the sixth nation to answer Ukraine's call 
for a security agreement. Can you tell us, please, uh, what's in the Canadian agreement that's concrete that will allow you to accomplish your goals? I can say that all those agreements are different, but uh, all of them um, make Ukraine stronger. I would very much want Canada to help us recover one of the dams. As you know, uh, Russia has ruined. The agreement comes with just over $3 billion in support this year. The West has been keeping Ukraine's economy afloat during the war while equipping it for battle. That support and unity on full display as Canada and European partners visited Hostomel Airport. It's not far from the capital, and on day one of the invasion, Russia attempted to take it and set up an air bridge. An intense fight followed, and Russia eventually suffered its first strategic loss, ultimately protecting Kyiv. Every day since, Ukraine has asked for more weapons and more technology to repeat the victory of Hostomel. But deliveries have not kept pace with the intensity of the war. Mr. Prime Minister, if you could please, you just heard the president talk about the importance of timely delivery of weapons. Canada has made many, many announcements uh, in terms of military uh, delivery, uh, as the president just mentioned, uh, is something he's concerned about. Tell me, please, um, how are soldiers on the front line supposed to defend their nation with Canadian paper? We've been sending uh, military equipment uh, from the very beginning as well, and we will continue to. Vladimir talked about drones and armored vehicles, and we will be doing more. Uh, we're also working with allies on issues like delivering NASAMs, uh, which we know is so necessary. Last year, Canada announced it would purchase an American-made National Advanced Surface-to-Air Missile System, a critical piece of defense equipment costing more than $400 million with no expected delivery date. As for drones, a big announcement was made by the Minister of National Defense recently for hundreds with special night vision capabilities. But funding for those was announced last year, and they won't be delivered until April. We will always be very quick to send whatever we can as quickly as we can. Equipping Ukraine will only become more challenging the longer the war goes on. That being said, G7 leaders met virtually on the second anniversary and once again committed their support to Ukraine, saying Ukraine has proven Russia can be defeated in battle. Crystal Demansing, Global News, Kyiv, Ukraine. Army reservists here in Vancouver spent today preparing for combat in a city environment, just like scenes we've seen during the war in Ukraine. Alyssa Thibault was there as teams stormed the old Molson Brewery on Burrard. Through tight spaces and around obstacles, set, set. members of the BC Army Reserves practice for war in a city. The urban operations really are increasingly how war is fought. It's no longer moving across big open pieces of terrain. It's being fought within the cities. This training exercise is happening in the empty Molson Brewery, a confusing rabbit warren of beer vats and staircases. Teams move through together, clearing areas for possible enemies, using fake ammunition called simunition, more effective than blanks. When you get hit, you know you've been hit. And obviously it's not going to injure somebody or kill somebody, but it lets them know that this is why we have to seek cover the way we seek cover. Move it. 
Booby traps are hidden throughout, simulating dangers like unexploded grenades. We need to basically identify what those things are before we actually trip them. Medic teams also training to remove injured soldiers and treat them. And then we'll have patients that will uh, be received by the medics, treated, uh, stabilized, resuscitated, and then moved backwards towards the uh, unit medical station with uh, what we call ambulance relays. Scenes of urban warfare are currently happening throughout Ukraine, and to help deter Russian forces, around 1,000 Canadian soldiers are right now deployed in Latvia as part of a NATO mission. That number is expected to double by next year. We recognize in the Canadian Army that this type of operation is increasingly becoming something that we're going to become involved in. Meaning preparations like this are essential. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. Crews are cleaning up after someone threw construction equipment off the Granville Bridge and onto a glass awning below. It happened between 4 and 6 this morning. Someone picked up four large chunks of metal and heaved it over the bridge railing. It badly damaged a glass awning at the Improv Centre on Granville Island. Fortunately, no one was around when it happened, but those who run one of the city's most popular tourist attractions say they've been lobbying for years to get the city to install barriers to make sure this kind of incident can't happen. It's been an ongoing issue with things either coming off the bridge or people throwing stuff off the bridge. And, and I think the city is dealing with the issues underneath the bridge, but crazy people are throwing stuff off the bridge and that's totally insane. The risk of something happening is low, but the results could be catastrophic if there was somebody down here when something landed um, from off the bridge. And this is, this is a huge issue for us. We're working with the city of Vancouver on coming up with what's called means prevention fencing, kind of like what we see over on the Burrard Bridge, to make sure that there's safety all along the bridge over the island. Building owners on Granville Island say they've spent tens of thousands of dollars repairing the damage. A B.C. provincial court judge has fined the captain of a commercial fishing vessel, vessel of $250,000 for setting prawn traps in a glass sponge marine refuge. The unnamed captain has also been ordered to forfeit $80,000 worth of equipment, including 553 commercial prawn traps. Fisheries officers seized the traps in the Strait of Georgia in July 2020. The captain pled guilty to 13 violations of Canada's Fisheries Act, with the court declaring him guilty of six others. Well, it should be known amongst commercial prawn fishers that there's a number of these glass sponge reef protected areas through the Strait of Georgia and in through Howe Sound. So it's, it's on them to know where those closures are and they're not allowed to fish in them. Uh, they're very long-lived, um, I guess, a long-lived species. So they're very slow to recover and very fragile. So any sort of mechanical damage like this is kind of not irreparable. Fisheries and Oceans Canada says the reefs in the refuge are a globally unique ecosystem, providing habitat to rockfish, herring, halibut and sharks, as well as extremely fragile glass sponges. Unusual cargo is being loaded onto a ship today in Victoria. Four vessels built to service Vancouver Island's salmon farms. They're being packed up and moved to Europe for sale. The owner is no longer sure of salmon farming's long-term prospects in Canada. Paul Johnson reports. Tidying up the lines one last time on the Pacific server. 
Nord Marine Service's Ian Dirk says it and three other sister vessels are yeah. done working the waters of British Columbia. We're having to send vessels uh, back overseas and uh, to, uh, you know, to either be uh, at least or sold and work in other countries. The specialized catamaran hull work boats were brought to BC by Nord Marine to service the fish farm industry. At its peak, they had six of them here. But the federal government's decision to phase out open net salmon farming on the coast has upended that business model. Where they used to service about 100 farms. We've uh, struggled since then to try and keep our vessels working. And now we've basically uh, come to a crossroads. It's about food security for majority of First Nations in B.C. Bob Chamberlain will miss neither the boats nor the industry they supported. While the industry has always insisted its operations were ecologically sound, and the jobs and food produced by those farms was a net positive. Many First Nations and marine biologists have argued the open pen systems posed an existential threat to wild salmon. I don't want to see an industry that's free to dump its waste and disease and pathogens into the environment to affect the food security of First Nations across the province. Well, Chamberlain and his side appear to be prevailing. Feds have still not delivered a promised transition plan, and Chamberlain wants a meeting with the Prime Minister on that. But that lack of certainty is also why Nord Marine decided to redeploy some of its most valuable assets. On Saturday, you could see them being loaded onto a massive ship carrier in Victoria. Next stop, Norway. It's absolutely, it's, it's, it's a terrible development. Paul Johnson, well. Global News. The Variety Show of Hearts campaign is on and we're asking you to transform lives in your community by simply donating to Variety. Your support means lasting impact with access to specialized therapies that benefits the child, the family, the school and even the community. So please help create this ripple effect and donate now to Variety, the children's charity. Your gift will be matched. Still to come, Sim says sorry. Vancouver's Integrity Commissioner says Mayor Ken Sim discriminated against a Park Board Commissioner on mat leave. And the BC Indigenous Nation signing a multi-million dollar deal with the feds, what the money will help deliver. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim is apologizing after a report from Vancouver's Integrity Commissioner found he discriminated against one of the city's park board commissioners. The commissioner found Sim breached the Code of Conduct bylaw by not letting Commissioner Laura Christensen attend a meeting remotely while she was on maternity leave taking care of her newborn. However, it was found that Sim's actions were not meant to deliberately discriminate. Sim says he is deeply committed to inclusion, diversity and human rights and has sent an apology to Christensen. A stretch of 88th Avenue in Surrey has reopened following a fatal house fire. The fire broke out at this two-story home on 88th near 152nd Street 
around 520 this morning. When crews arrived, there was a significant amount of smoke and flames billowing from the home. Fire crews used an exterior attack before moving inside where they found a female occupant deceased. 19 firefighters were able to extinguish the blaze. Several police officers and firefighters remain on scene investigating the cause. It has not been deemed suspicious. A B.C. Indigenous nation is celebrating a multi-million dollar funding agreement with the federal government. The agreement was signed this week in Burns Lake. The Lake Babine First Nation will get $50 million from the federal government. It will help finish construction of cultural centres in the communities of Fort Babine and Tachat. It will also help fund new employees to build land capacity, manage spending and develop restorative justice for the nation. Another $5 million will go to improving the nation's governance. We all know that we have a, chief, that we have a Tunisia and Takoze, so hereditary chief system within Lake Babi Nation. So we need to figure out how this all ties in together. So, and this is up to the people. And it's up to their voices and their direction of how that may look like. I think we're in a, in a new era where decisions are now um, centered on communities themselves and the communities being able to make decisions that best suits their needs. The funding builds on a 2020 agreement between the nation, the province and the federal government. A popular Kelowna restaurant has quite literally risen from the ashes. The building burned down in a massive fire in 2020 and as Victoria Famia reports, it's finally back up and running. Three and a half years ago, Fast forward to today. Like the Phoenix, from the ashes, here we are. Popular Rutland restaurant, Olympia Greek Taverna, burned down October of 2020. And on Saturday, the restaurant celebrated its grand reopening. A little nervous, excited, a uh, long time coming. So uh, yeah, we'll be ready. The restaurant on Highway 33 in Rutland has been a staple of the community for over 50 years at this very spot until the fire forced a complete rebuild in the middle of a pandemic. Through COVID, of course, you know, things at the city slows down, insurance companies slow down, um, trying to get product, you know, from block to steel, workers, it, it it just everything seemed to have uh, just dragged on and um, we've been we were hoping a year ago to be open nonetheless the restaurant returned the phone ringing off the hook with eager and hungry customers oh that's what i've missed the most i've missed seeing all of our customers and you know conversating with them and yeah it'll be good to see everybody again and the restaurant has a whole new look, new building, new furniture, except for some chairs saved from the fire. We did manage to save about 65 of our old chairs from the, uh, from the fire. And um, my nephew and I, my nephew Yanni and I, we um, pretty much took most of them apart, put them back together, glued them up, uh, repainted them. Looking back, the Coots Antonis family remembers the day they got the devastating call. As we got a phone call at like five in the morning and my husband was like, ah, oh, your restaurant's on fire. And first thing I did was, you know, grab the phone, call my dad. And he's like, yeah, I'm down here right now. So that was tough blow. It was hard. According to the fire department at the time, the blaze started in a mechanical room at the back of the restaurant. It spread quickly, destroying a big chunk of the roof. It was deemed non-suspicious as it was likely caused by a mechanical failure. 
For the time being, the restaurant is only open for takeout and delivery, with plans to fully open in a few weeks. It's nice to finally conduct business again. Victoria Famia, Global News. Still ahead, words from the heart. February is Heart Month in Canada. We'll hear from a heart attack survivor with first-hand advice for a healthier lifestyle. Well, there wasn't great winter weather in the area leading up to the Latako Quinell BC Winter Games. Ski and snowboarding events were cancelled. Cross-country skiing and biathlon were also in jeopardy. But thanks to some creative thinking, those athletes got the chance to compete nearby where the conditions are a lot better. Here's Jay Durant. It wasn't part of the original schedule, but the lack of snow a few weeks ago forced organizers to come up with an alternate plan. The result, a very unique competition here in historic Barkerville. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Barkerville for the 2024 Latako Kunal BC Winter Games! I've been waiting for this race for like ever since I heard it was gonna be in Barkerville, and I knew it was gonna be a very, very memorable. The people from the BC Winter Games came to us and asked us if Barkerville could be available. Um, our immediate reaction was excitement. Our reaction after that was, we got a lot of work ahead of us. I was really skeptical of it happening. I am so proud of our team. It brings tears to my eyes, it really does. All the volunteers, the executive, yeah, it's mind-blowing what we did. This has been at least two weeks of work and pretty much every single day in order to make this happen. It, it's amazing. It, it brings your hair standing on end, seeing the kids coming around the corner, coming down Main Street, going hard to the finish line. And this is such a historic place. 150 years ago, the miners were here mining gold, and now we have athletes going for gold. When was the last time Barkerville hosted a sporting event? But the last photograph I've seen in the historical record of athletes from Barkerville is probably from around the turn of the 20th century. Here it's really nice because you get like a look back in time. It was really cool seeing like um, all the old uh, structures and stuff and I've never been here before so it's really cool. I would like to say thank you to all of them. They put so much hard work into all of this to make it happen. There are still a few events to go on Sunday before all these athletes head home. Some of them will have some new medals to show off. Everyone will have a great story to tell from their experiences at the BC Winter Games. I'm Jay Durant on the historic and snowy streets of Barkerville. In health news, a Kamloops man is stressing the importance of a healthy lifestyle after surviving a heart attack six years ago. Colin Lyons is sharing his passion for Heart and Stroke Month, hoping to help others prevent the disease. We get the story from CFJC News. We all think we're doing pretty good in life until we find out that we really aren't. Colin Lyons had always been moderately active. He played basketball, went to the gym a few times a week, and ate relatively healthy. We eat so healthy, like we grow our own food and he hunts and we don't eat processed foods and we can and preserve. So it was just a shock that this would happen, to be honest. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I thought it was okay that I would just focus on, you know, building our company and building the other companies. And I, I led a more sedentary life and said that, you know what, I'll get to work out once I'm done this. And, you know, when you do that for a year or two, it's not good for your body. So. That was his mindset until six years ago when he suffered a heart attack while playing basketball. I just blacked out on the floor. Uh, I remember the lights kind of closing out 
And from that point, I don't remember anything until waking up later. So it was, uh, it was quite an ordeal. Colin was rushed to the hospital and then medevaced to St. Paul's in Vancouver. I, I did die and they did bring me back. Uh, and it happened twice in, in that event. So coming back from it when I woke up, it was an amazing thing to wake up and see people staring at you. And I think at that point, you really find out how valuable it is what you went through. It was life changing, that's for sure. But he survived and he's healthier and better than he's ever been. And, you know, I think it was a positive experience in our life in the fact that it, it changed our life to the better. We're, you know, we're making really healthy choices and it brought us closer together. Now he encourages others to eat healthier and elevate their heart rate every day. He says he only wished he started sooner. It'd be great if we could all go through this when we're in mid-teenagers, uh, because then I think we have our wherewithal about what we could really do with ourselves and how finite it is. Sydney Chisholm, CFJC News. Still to come, following in mom's footsteps. We'll meet the young gymnast competing at the BC Winter Games decades after her mom did in the same sport. Rainfall warnings for the Fraser Valley, winter storm warnings on the mountain passes. There's a lot going on this evening. Let's bring in our Yvonne Shell with the latest details. Yvonne. Travis, we're tracking rainfall this evening. It's been a pretty great start to our weekend, and the rain is going to be heavy at times, taking us in towards tomorrow morning. What we're tracking is this frontal system that's moving across the province, and the big weather story for the interior is a significant amount of snow, especially for traveling along the mountain passes. So heaviest rain overnight, and for tomorrow morning, we've got an additional 10 and up to 15 millimeters. For most areas across the lower mainland, should taper off to a chance of showers for the afternoon, but we're still going to see windy conditions. It'll pick up with gusts potentially up to 60 kilometers per hour areas in towards the interior though we've got that wave of snow that'll continue in towards tomorrow evening now rainfall amounts heaviest though extending in towards the Fraser Valley east and leading in towards hope we could see the potential with up to 50 millimeters most areas between 20 and up to 40 higher amounts along the North Shore Mountains and then it should start to ease off with a nice break between systems that'll be for Monday along the south coast mountain passes though check in with drivebc.c for the latest road conditions but the heaviest snow will start to develop this evening and continue all the way in towards tomorrow night. Along the Pine Pass, 15 and up to 20 centimeters. The Coquihalla near the summit could see up to 50 centimeters. And the Allison Kootenai, as well as the Rogers Pass, between 25 and potentially up to 40 centimeters of snow, continuing in towards tomorrow night. So a significant storm is on the way. Now, coastal areas tomorrow, we've got the potential for some wet flurries. We'll even be tracking that inland. The northeastern corners for the piece, we've got snowfall with up to 10 centimeters that should start to ease off but it'll likely be late overnight and taking us in towards our Monday. Across the central interior, we've got that wet snowfall. Most areas in towards the interior, we've got that freezing level sitting closer to 1,300 meters, but it's the mountain passes that will still see that heavy snow continuing in towards tomorrow night. Whistler will be up to three as a daytime high. Most areas across the island will see some of the heaviest rainfall for the morning. Breaks as we get in through the day. Windy at times, though, by the water, we could see that range between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. Hour. Lower mainland, we've got highs between 7 and 8 degrees, so some of the heaviest rainfall will be this evening and for tomorrow morning. We will see the winds through the day tomorrow and then continuing to be windy and towards our Monday. Nice bright spot, though, for Monday with the sunshine will be up to 7 degrees. And then a look ahead and plan ahead for Tuesday. It'll be cold enough. We could see the potential for some flurries and then changing over to rain by Wednesday, Thursday. Highs between 8 and 9 degrees. Travis? Okay, thanks, Yvonne.
A young Burnaby athlete competing in the 2024 BC Winter Games is bringing home a medal for a sport close to her family's heart. Gymnast Mila Dos Santos was competing in artistic gymnastics at the Games, winning bronze in the uneven bars and coming in 11th overall. But she isn't the first in her family to compete in the sport at such a high level. Her mom, Dina Alalian, was, was also a winning gymnast in the BC Winter Games back when she was Mila's age. I felt nervous and I felt confident too. It's a lot of hard training and I worked as hard as I could to um, be here today and I think it's just an amazing opportunity. I'm really proud. Um, I'm feeling really nostalgic that it's in Quenelle uh, where I grew up and seeing her here and you know, doing the same sport that I did. It feels full circle. Mila says she hopes to carry on her mom's legacy. And at the Rugby Sevens today, that's our reporter Richard Zussman on the field. And next to him, his sister Julianne. And she is now a member of the Rugby Canada Hall of Fame. She first picked up a ball in grade nine and rugby has taken her around the world. Three World Cups, finalist for World Rugby Player of the Year in 2017, and now a member of the Hall of Fame. And of course, a very proud big brother there as well. Congratulations. Nice to see. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of rugby going on, of course, with the HSBC uh, Vancouver 7 BC Place. And uh, next door, there's also a little bit of interest with the uh, Canucks and Boston Bruins. Uh, Canucks lost in Boston 4 nothing a couple weeks ago. Of course, they're riding their kind of their first slump of the year. They've played hard, but they're still down 2 nothing about midway through the thirds. So we'll have highlights of that coming up. We'll show you some more rugby. And we've also got some uh, U-sports hockey from UBC as well coming up. All right. Thanks, Barry. Looking mm -hmm. forward to it. And the Variety Show of Hearts campaign continues with your generous donations coming in. And after the break, we'll see how your contributions can make a life-changing difference as we introduce you to this young man, Gershon. Stay with us. Children with complex health care needs and disabilities sometimes find it difficult to speak or to hear, making communication a serious challenge, which is why Variety provides funding for speech and language therapy. And when Grishon was born with multiple complex health care needs, his family found it difficult to know where to find answers when they didn't even know what the problem was. So we had uh, no idea he will walk or not, he will speak or not. So many questions, first few years. Ten-year-old Gershon is walking and he is talking. He is beating all of the odds. Born with Kabuki syndrome, a rare congenital disorder, Gershon would need all of the support that his family could provide. There are many symptoms of Kabuki syndrome that Gershon is living with, including poor muscle tone, frequent infections, bone abnormalities, and a cleft palate that has made talking very difficult. So the cleft palate changes the structure of someone's mouth. So Gershon has a narrow palate, it's um, higher arched, and his mouth overall is a little smaller, so his tongue doesn't have as much room to move around and do its thing. Um, so it makes it a little trickier for him to say certain speech sounds. Maybe five and six will be a match. <laughs> in order for Gershon to thrive in spite of his many challenges, he requires a lot of help in the form of expensive, specialized therapies. Fortunately, Gershon's family found a variety. 
and through your donations. Variety has been able to support Gershon with physiotherapy to help him with his joints and muscle development and speech and language therapy to help him communicate. I might. <laughs> Let's find out. Gershon has made incredible progress. We um, focus a lot on his language goals. So his irregular past tense, um, plural nouns are a little tricky for him. And we do some speech sound practice. And now I notice Gurshan have more clarity in his speech. Before people, uh, when Gurshan talking someone, people ask me what they saying, what they saying. Now people understand what Gurshan saying. Mine is a circle top hat. Variety has just opened so many doors for Gershon and his family. Um, he's getting the help he needs to become confident and without having his regular speech sessions, he might not be at the same place he is now. To Canadian people, Punjabi, South Asian people, so many cats are waiting, families are waiting. Uh, they need uh, speech, therapy, help physio, wheelchair, so please donate the variety. Gershon is going to need continual assistance, and you can help ensure he gets the support he needs. Donate at variety.bc.ca or call 310KIDS, and your gift will be matched. The Boston Bruins are in Vancouver today. The Canucks looking to redeem themselves after the Bruins shut them out earlier this month. Barry will have the latest. Stay with us. Lots of action in Rogers Arena right now. Yeah, a lot of uh, tense Canuck fans down to the final minutes against the Bruins. All right, thanks, Travis. The uh, Canucks haven't had to really dig deep down and face much adversity this season. They've really been the model of consistency from the opening puck drop in October. But they are currently on a four-game losing streak. They look tired physically and mentally the other night, especially in Seattle. It is truly the dog days of the NHL season, but they were hoping to get back on track, get some juice from that home crowd today against the hated Boston Bruins. Brock Bessert, well, he's been ice cold since the All-Star break. No goals in 10 games. Physical game early. Nikita Zadorov stops David Pasternak in his tracks. Got to hit the uh, top players on the other team. They hit Quinn Hughes a lot. Other teams do. Got to return the favor. And Noah Juleson, one of the Canucks' better hitters, he gets Morgan Geeky and then another one on Pasternak, who's not enjoying the rough ride he's been getting. Surrey's Parker Watherspoon, 26 years old, playing his 38th NHL game. Big Canucks fan growing up. Watched that Game 7 in the stands back in 2011. Now playing for the Bruins and playing well. Makes a nice defensive play here, breaking up the Elias Pettersson uh, centering pass scoreless after one early second Canucks shorthanded but on the rush Pedersen to Zadorov but Jeremy Swayman with the save and then later Brock Besser good look fires the wrister but Swayman again with the stop ruined goaltending pretty good they're top three in the NHL Bruins finally break the ice and it's Jesper Bogfist, not one of their top guys, but he beats Philip Hironik to the slot and nice move on Demko goes to the forehand and it's 1-0 Boston, and they will add another. This one not nearly as pretty. Trent Frederick on the wraparound. Langley's Danton Heinen got credit for this, but it actually looked like Ian Cole knocked it in with his stick right there. 2-0 Bruins after two. Canucks still without a goal against uh, the Bruins this year. 
Lots of pressure in the third. JT Miller really leans into one, a 96-mile-per-hour slapper, but Swayman with the save. Finally, off the faceoff win, Zadorov to Besser, and he snaps his cold streak. First goal of the year against the Bruins for the Canucks. They're down 2-1 very late in the third. Also tonight, red-hot Maple Leafs riding a six-game win streak in Denver, taking on the Avalanche. Colorado jumped out 2-0, but the Leafs rally. Tyler Bertuzzi scored twice. This one ties it 2-2. And then Mitch Marner, long wrist shot, finds the mark through his screen. His 23rd, 3-2 Leafs after two. Now Colorado did tie it, but Toronto got a late power play. And they'll get the game winner from Tyler Bertuzzi, who couldn't buy one for about two months. Now he's got a hat trick tonight, and the Leafs have won seven in a row, 4-3 the final over the Avs. AHL scoreboard, Abbotsford Canucks winning on the road in San Jose today, 5-2. They also won last night, so they sweep the Barracudas this weekend. Vancouver Warriors, well, another game effort, but another loss. They fall the dead last in the NL 2-8. Toronto's first 8-2, 9-5 the final tonight in Toronto. It has been another fun-filled party this weekend at BC Place for the HSBC Rugby Sevens. Canada's men's program is uh, starting a major rebuild, so they are not expected to get great results, but the women are ranked mid-pack and are always capable of challenging for the cup. Let's start with the women. They went one and one on the opening day, taking on Spain. All they needed to do was beat Spain, and uh, they would get into the quarterfinals. Florence Simmons takes it in for the try. 10-5, Canada led this one at the half, much to the delight of the BC Place crowd. Charity Williams has a lot of speed for Canada, and uh, she had a great game. Turns the corner, takes it in. Canada, taking care of business, beat Spain 22-5. So Canada advanced to the quarters against the U.S., where they just beat them 12-10. So they'll play New Zealand in the semis tomorrow at noon. Meanwhile, the men, 0-2 on Friday, also needed to beat Spain to sneak into the quarterfinals. Late first half, Canada down 12-0, but they get a huge play from Joe Mora. He is their speedster, gets to the outside, takes it in. So 12-7, and Canada started the half with a man advantage, but instead of taking that the other way, it was Spain off the opening kick. They uh, elevate, recover the ball, and within moments, Spain in for the try, and they roll past Canada 31-14. Canada 0 for 3 in pool play, took on South Africa just moments ago and lost 2014, so they'll play for 11th place tomorrow. Got some Scotties curling from Calgary. Two of the best meeting in the 1-2 playoff game. Rachel Holman of Ontario, Jennifer Jones of Manitoba. Winner goes to tomorrow's final. Loser will get another shot through the semifinal. Fourth end, Holman looking to come off her own rock for the takeout and perfect execution. Two for Ontario. They led 3-1 and that's where it stands right now in the sixth end. Soccer now, English Premiership, Erling Holland and second place Man City at Bournemouth, only goal of the match, 24th minute. Holland is stopped, but Phil Foden tucks in the rebound for Man City. They win it 1-0. They're just a point behind first place Liverpool atop the EPL table. Meanwhile, Arsenal at home to Newcastle, looking to keep pace with the leaders, already up 1-0. Kai Havertz makes it 2-0, converts the uh, Gabriel Martinelli feed. 2-0 for the Reds. And uh, Arsenal, one of the top scoring sides in the EPL. They uh, did score four today, including this beauty by uh, Saka. 
Bukaya Saka with the move. 4-1 the final. Their third one point behind Man City. Just two behind first place uh, Liverpool. It's a three-horse race in the Premier League. And hey, baseball is back. Blue Jays' first spring training game today in Florida, taking on the Phillies. And this is Chad Dallas, who played in Vancouver last year with the Canadians for a bit of the season. Looked good in his first start of the spring, struck out two in his one inning of work. This guy could be in the majors sooner rather than later, and you saw him play at Nat Bailey Stadium. One of the new Jays, veteran Justin Turner, the 39-year-old, had a hit, an RBI, and a walk in his two plate appearances today. Jays lost 14-13. MLB season opens March 28th for the Jays in Tampa, so still about five weeks until they start playing for real. Last night, Canada West men's hockey playoffs. UBC hosting Alberta. T-Birds finished the regular season atop the Canada West standings. No scoring till the middle frame, and it's UBC who strikes Sasha Mutala with the night, uh, nice setup for Sam Huo for the one-timer. It was 1-1 heading to the third, but UBC was undone by not one, but two shorthanded goals. They have the bad turnover here, and Eric Florchuk scores. And Alberta with the win, 4-1. It's a cruel two out of three series only, so UBC's got to win tonight in Game 2 to keep their season alive. That's a 7 o'clock start. Meanwhile, just uh, moments ago, Game 2 between the Thunderbird women and Calgary. UBC won Game 1 last night, looking to win today, advance to the Canada West Finals. Rebecca Clark, though, gave Calgary the lead a minute into the second. And that was the only goal of the game. Dinos goalie Gabriella Durante made 32 saves for the shutout. So it's a 1-0 final. So the third and deciding game of that women's semifinal tomorrow at 3 p.m. at Doug Mitchell Thunderbird Arena. So the UBC hockey team's in the thick of it. Hopefully they can pull it off. But, man, those two out of three series, they're cruel. There is no room for it. That's a tough series. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Canucks and Bruins are going to overtime. Oh, the Canucks yeah. have tied at 2-2. Yep. We'll have all Phil. the highlights at 11, possibly a Canuck OT win. Hopefully, at least they get a point. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Barry. And your donations are coming in. After the break, we'll see just how many kids will get the help they need as the Variety Show of Hearts campaign continues. Stay with us. Now, a Black History Month celebration to show you in Coquitlam. Dozens of people He's gathered at Mackin House to learn about African culture through interactive storytelling, arts and crafts, music, and cooking demonstrations. Black history books from the Coquitlam Public Library were also on display for the little ones. Participants say the event is a meaningful way to share a part of their heritage with future generations and the wider community. Celebrating Black History Month has opened so much conversation, activities and even education around, um, in my field, cooking and our culture when it comes to food and so um, passing down this knowledge down to children and younger generations especially those who are first generation Canadians um, is very important and crucial so I always love being part of it. The event was free to the public and also included a community mindfulness discussion. Okay, it's Telethon Eve here on Global BC, and tomorrow from 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m., the Variety Show of Hearts Telethon will air live, and donors from across the province are helping us start off strong. So, thanks to your donations, Variety will be able to help 214 kids. You can add to this total now and have your gift matched. Call 310KIDS or go to variety.bc.ca now. Awesome, and the Canucks are in over, overtime 2-2 with a power play, so 
There we it go. It could end it. We'll hopefully find out. We'll find out at 11 one way or the other. One way or another. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you back here at 11. Good night.